This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com And we're discussing uh, meditation. And it's a very, very important Rambam in chapter 2 of the laws of the foundations of the Torah, Yisraeli Torah. And he talks about how does a person get their prophecy? How does a person get to speak to God? But before we talk about it, we have to have a little introduction to Jewish meditation, because people think, you know, meditation is a person thinks all the time, and they just relax. And, well, what's the purpose of meditation? I've got to realize, the purpose of Jewish meditation is, get, is to get closer to God. We talked about this in the first class. We talked about the Merkava as the vehicle. It's a vehicle. It's a vehicle to get closer. So just meditation, just to relax, and uh, yoga and other things... It's, that's not Jewish meditation. Jewish meditation is, the whole purpose of Jewish meditation is to get close to God and to eventually to be able to get communication with God. So that's the purpose of Jewish meditation. So it's not just something fluffy, you know, meditate and just get out and, you know, relax. And, no, it's, it's in order to, get, to connect. The purpose of meditation is to connect. So here the Rambam tells us that the vehicle to connect to God is through angels. Which is interesting, because you wouldn't expect the Rambam to talk about angels, because he's very rational. Anyway, here he is, in chapter 2. And the reason why he, calls, he talks about angels is because the prophets themselves said they saw angels. You know, he wouldn't talk about it, but the prophets wouldn't say they saw angels. Creations which have form, but no matter at all. It's a very strange statement, right? They have form but no matter. What are they? Angels. Because angels have no bodies. But they have form separate from each other. In other words, even if... So, normally we say bodies are the things that limit people. That's why God has got no body. God has a body and he's limited. Mm -hmm. So now, an angel has no body. But still, Ramam says it has to have a form, otherwise it would be meshed be meshed with other angels, other forms. So the, the, the angels have no body, but they're still limited in a sense. That's what we're talking They're separate from each other. So what does it mean when the prophets say they see an angel of fire? They see an angel with wings. Isaiah the prophet says each one had six wings. What for? Two to, cover, two to cover its, its face, face two, to two to fly, and two to cover itself. What does that mean? Six wings. So all these, he says, are prophetic visions and parables. No such thing. All parables. As it says, Hashem, your God, is a consuming fire. Although we know that God is not a fire. So obviously it's a parable. Just like that's a parable. Also the angels of fire are also a parable. So all these parables... Since they possess no body, that's a big question. Since they possess no body, what separates the angels from each other? We said the body is the one that limits people. Now, something without a body, the soul is everywhere. So, how, does it li- how is it limited? What limits the angels? Their existence is not alike. Each one is below the level of the other and exists by virtue of its influence in a progression of levels one above the other. This is very strange, you know. In other words, there are different levels of angels. Each one is living in a different level. And everything exists by virtue of the influence of Hashem and of His goodness. So it's like a never-ending 
supply of angels. We're going to talk about, I'm going to talk about ten different varieties of angels. Interesting, because now the prophets discuss ten different names of angels. So, below the level of each other is not referred to spatial levels, obviously. We're not talking about uh, heights above the earth. We're not talking about parts of the universe. We're talking about spiritual dimensions. So this is in regard to spiritual level. For example, when you talk about two great rabbis, say one, in, one, is, one is greater than the other. It's not about spatial. Uh, he's great in size. Or he's higher up in the dimension. No, it's talking about in terms of knowledge. So here too, in terms of angels. The angels are greater. I'm talking about spiritual levels. So he, he, he tells us the names of the angels. Okay, the highest level angel. Hayot HaKodesh, which we talk about at Tevilah in the mornings, every morning. Hayot HaKodesh, holy Hayot. Holy Hayot are the highest level angels. When they come, the Ofanim, which are in the, in the Merkava vision, in the Ezekiel. Arilim, Chashmalim, Srafim, Malachim, Elohim. So ten levels of angels. The Kruvim is interesting because the Kruvim, the were they were the guardians of the of Ganeden, right? They were the Kruvim and the guardians of Ganeden. And they were also on the Ark, the Ark of Kodesh, which are the connection between God and man is through the angels. The connection between God and man is through the angels. Vishim. And the last one is Ishim. So he says these ten names refer to the angels, reflect their different spiritual levels. Yes. But we don't need intermediaries. Ah, we don't need intermediaries. We don't need intermediaries, but um, it depends how, what you say of an angel is. What is an intermediary? What is an intermediary? How does God speak to man? So that speech of man of God to man is called an angel. Right? It's a messenger. Hashem sends a message. What's the, what's the messenger? Which message? That's you what a malach. You don't pray to the angels. You don't, pr- you don't pray to it. No? Well, that's a whole question mark. Let's uh, not go there. We do. We sometimes we ask for blessings from angels. And Yaakov Avinu is the one who says, The angel who saved me from all evil, he will bless the lads. He will bless the kids. Right? When do we say that? The Rashad doesn't say it before going to sleep. It's funny we don't say it. It's very controversial. But we say it in the. Shalom Aleichem, right? What do you say? Barchenu le shalom. Bless us. Malachi shalom. Angels of peace, bless us. It's very controversial. Some people say, erase it. Well, it depends what you mean by angels. What is angels? Emanations of God. What angels? The spiritual emanations of God. Very simple. So, the, so then, is there a separation between angels and Hashem? Is there a separation there? Well, you ask them hard questions. <laughs> What's the hard answer? Put it this way. Put it this way. Let's, let's, let's give you the answer. The answer to that is, what do the angels say about that? We say it every Shabbat. Where is it? Where is a God? We know there's a God. We, because God is giving. We wouldn't be here without God. But where is he? No one knows where God is. No one can understand. Where, what do you mean, where, where is God? God is everywhere. He's everywhere, and he's nowhere. Very strange, right? Um, one of the highest names of God is Ayin. As David Amenoch says, Ayin from where will come my help? Where is God? Where is the definition of God? Ayin is God. Ayin. Aleph Yudnud, which is the letters of Ani. Right? Elohim. What's Elohim? It's the letter Mi. Mem Yud is Mi. Who? Who Ele? Mi Ele? Who are these? 
the word Elohim is Mi Ele. Who are these? Amazing. So you put Ele, Mi Ele together, you get Elohim. Amazing. So in other words, the question who and what, that is God. Because we can't understand this. So in other words, God is defined by a question mark. Amazing. God is defined by a question mark. So even the angels define God by a question mark. Where is he? Where, where is Makoma? In other words, no one can understand God. Not the angels, not us, nothing. But they have no free will. They know. They don't know. They just have no free will. That doesn't mean they don't think. They're limited as well. They're limited as well. Well, now you, so you're saying that the angels do have a separate existence. Right, that's right, that's right. From yeah. Because they don't know. They don't know. In other words, Hashem created them for a certain purpose, but that's all they know. They know their mission. That's all they know. They know they have a mission, and they have no free choice when it comes to that mission. They have to get that mission done. That's their job. But that doesn't mean that they're separate from a, you know, that Hashem's Energy is emanated through right. the angels. So they don't know. They, they are the mission. They are the mission. The angel is the mission. Could it get mothership with little satellites? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the analogy is because you're talking about physical analogies. How can you give a physical analogy to a spiritual being? I don't know. So let's leave that as a question mark because that is something which I don't think we'll ever understand in this, in this physical body. All these questions are good questions. How could a person understand the spiritual dimensions with that, with that physical body? So the only way to do it is, as we talked about last week, is the Pashtut HaGashmiyot. It's by removing the physical from oneself. And the only way one can do that is by meditating, um, disregarding all... F- we're going to talk about it. Let's, let's talk about it. We'll talk about it. We'll get there. We'll get there. All these spiritual forms are alive. This is Rambam. And they know God. And they know God with an immense knowledge, <laughs> which apparently is never enough. Each of the forms according to its level and not according to its greatness. You know, it doesn't matter how big the angel is, in terms of whatever. but in terms of the knowledge of the angel, that's... So you can have a very small angel with a lot of knowledge, or a big angel with no knowledge. You know. Even the highest level is unable to conceive of the true nature of the Creator. Here we are. The highest angel, angel. Since his intellectual capacity is too limited to know or to grasp God. I mean, if the angel can't grasp God, how can we grasp God? Mm-hmm. It does, however, comprehend and know more than the form which is below it. So every angel, the different levels of angels, each level of angel is a totally different experience. They have much more knowledge than the level before, below. It's better to be the tail of the lion than the head of the fox. So the head of the fox knows less than the tail of the lion above it. This is true regarding each and every level. Including the tenth level. In other words, the tenth level of angel is above us. The tenth level of angel is our link to the, uh, the spiritual worlds. Mm. So the angel is called the Ishim. Why? Because they are next to us. Ish. Ish, Ishim. They're the lowest level angel. So the, so the number one, if you're, if you're the, the first level. Chayot. Chayot HaKodesh. Chayot HaKodesh. So can you, like, can that, could the, 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 the tenth in the tenth level, move up. No, eventually? they don't move up. They don't move so up. How do they angels don't move up. Spot? We can move up. Okay. They can't move. That's the difference between an angel and a human being. Angels can't climb the ladder. Human beings can climb the ladder. Oh. So we are higher than the angels. Even we can climb Jacob's ladder. The angels going up and down the ladder. We they can't climb up more than their level. They can only get to the top of the level. That's it. They're stuck there. They can't get to the next level up. We can. Our souls can go up higher. And that's the greatness of human beings, that our souls are higher than the angels, in other words. 
the creation of man, the source of the creation of man is above the angels, above the level of the angels. Our souls are created from a higher place than the angels. So, every level knows God in a manner that surpasses the potential to know and comprehend God possessed by human beings made up of body and soul. So the body really is our limiting factor. None of these levels can know Hashem as He knows Himself. I mean, every level below Hashem is obviously limited because they're, cr- they're created. Mm. So I guess they, I mean, just being a created person just by studying their own creation can know, understand Hashem to a certain extent by seeing what Hashem created. You can start us. As David Amenach says, From my own flesh I will see God. By studying myself I will see. You know, I'll try to understand the purpose of myself. All existence, aside from Hashem, from the first form down to the small mosquito, came into being from the influence of His truth. Hashem knows everything and nothing is hidden from Him. So we have to understand that everything came from Hashem. is just unknowable, unknowable by all of us. Okay, so I'm going to skip now to the seventh chapter, because this is the introduction, really, to the seventh chapter. It's interesting. This is really the introduction. And here, this is where Rambam talks about how human beings get to a level of prophecy. And this is really talking about meditation, really. It's one of the foundations of our faith. It's the dot hayadat, and this is one of the uh, 30 principles of faith. Rambam, ledash ha'el menaveh adam to know that Hashem gives prophecy to humans. Why is this so important? Because otherwise, where would we get the Torah from? If Hashem didn't give the Torah to Moshe, where did Moshe get the Torah from? So how did, how did Moshe get the Torah from Hashem? How did Hashem talk to Moshe? So obviously we believe that what? Hashem does talk to people. That's Nebuah. Nebuah is Hashem's sends messages to people. So now the Ramah gives us conditions to be able to get to this level of prophecy. And major conditions. Number one. Prophecy does not fall unless... And now look at the language over here. Prophecy does not fall on someone. You know, prophecy has to fall on someone. And if you've been through the classes and you're showing path to the just, you'll see the last level, the highest level a person get to is level of Kedusha. And the highest level of that is Gibul. Gibul means you can reach a level and be ready for prophecy all your life and not get it. The final act is God gives the prophecy. It's a God-given thing. Some people get it, some people don't. And they both may be on the same level. God chooses who to give it to. So even though a person tried their best and reached a very high level, go all his life and not get it, yet a guy next to him, his neighbor, on a similar level, may get it. God chooses who to give prophecy to. So a person can get themselves ready for it, but it doesn't mean they're going to get it. There's no guarantees. We're going to get to that. So prophecy is bestowed from above. It's not something you can get automatically. It's not something automatic. You do this, you get prophecy. No, it doesn't work like that. You have to do this, and maybe you'll get prophecy. If God wants to talk to you, he'll talk to you. If God doesn't want to talk to you, he'll talk to you. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's something else going on, and I think it's called chen, which is very big in the Megillah. It's also very big in Noah. The Noah matzah chen Hashem. Some people find grace in God's eyes. Some people have a certain quality that even though they're both on the same level in terms of prophecy and they can, they're both meditating, they're both ready and they're both holy, one finds favor in God's eyes, one doesn't find favor in God's Do you eyes. Know how? Huh? Do you know how? Yeah. How we talked about it one time, we talked about Noah. Remember? Staka is very big. Staka, chesed, all these different qualities which Hashem likes. In other words, even though they're both equally holy, 
But this guy has got this quality of kindness, which the other guy doesn't have. Some kind of qualities, which each you know each one has different qualities. To be a lucky, you know, have this today. You know, two people may be exactly the same. Shammai and Hillel, great sages, but Hillel had a quality where people liked him. They like going to learn from him <laughs> because the other guy was a kapdan. It says Shammai was a kapdan, which means he was a bit strict. So some people are nice, uh, maybe. But to say this guy's a bigger tzaddik than the other, you can't say that. They're both equal. So I said, good, they're both equal. One just is a nicer guy. There's a quality which people like. And that's exactly the same thing. You may be too equally holy. Hashem says, this guy I like better. This, like, this guy I want to talk to you. Could you say that about... Or maybe he has a purpose to talk to him. The other guy, he doesn't have a purpose to talk to him. Could you say that, um, excuse me, could you say that about Moshe? When God was... 100%. Now, Moshe was... <laughs> Obviously, Hashem wanted to talk to Moshe more than anyone else. He chose him more than anyone else. He got the highest level we're going to talk about. Moshe Rabbeinu was chosen. We see, we know, we know the three stories about Moshe. The Torah tells us the three stories about Moshe, right? Moshe Rabbeinu could have got away in the palace and escaped all the servitude. He could have escaped everything. He didn't have to get involved. He just couldn't help it. He sees a Jew being beaten, gets involved. A tremendous loss for himself. Becomes... He becomes persecuted. Self-sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Self-sacrifice. He could have been a prince in the palace. Mm-hmm. He could eventually have been Pharaoh as well. Mm-hmm. But instead of which, he chooses the hard path of, I can't take this anymore. I can't mm-hmm. see the Jews being treated like this. Mm-hmm. I can't see one Jew being beaten, maybe to death. I can't. I've got I to gotta do something. He does something. Then he runs away. Then he sees the daughters of Yitro being persecuted by the shepherds. I can't. I can't stand this. I can't. Even though I'm a stranger in a foreign land, I, I can't. Justice, justice. And the third story is a midrash where it says the little sheep ran away. Mm-hmm. And Moshe runs after the sheep. Mm-hmm. He looks after the sheep and he's, mm-hmm. he moves away the big sheep so that the small sheep can eat the little tender grass. He's looking after the sheep. Hashem says, That's the guy I like. Mm-hmm. This, is the kind of, this is my kind of guy, Hashem says. Justice. <laughs> Chesed, kindness, justice. This, this is the, my kind of guy. That's exactly what Hashem tells Abraham. He says, I chose you, Abraham. Why? Because you're going to teach your children after you. Stakamishpat. Those are my two things, tzedakah, mishpat, righteousness, and justice. Those are the things I like. So we know what God likes. That those are the things that Hashem likes. And, and Hashem wants the heart as well. So David HaMelech, what he does all day is thinking about God. Ah, Hashem, Hashem, Hashem. Hashem says, ah, that's the kind of guy I like. He's thinking about me, I think about him. <laughs> I want to talk to this guy. So here we are. Let's see the conditions over here, the criteria over here. So Ramon gives us all the criteria to be a prophet. So this is the purpose of Jewish meditation, is to talk to God. It's not something fluffy. I want to get closer to Tasha. And prophecy does not fall, as we said. Unless, number one, Chacham Gadol, person's going to be very wise. So this applies to men, it applies to women. We have Jewish, prof- Jewish prophetesses. Sarah says her prophecy was greater than Abraham Avinu. Whatever she tells you, you have to listen to her voice. You don't listen to her, you listen to her voice. Rashi says the voice of prophecy. <coughs> so I had a voice of prophecy. Her prophecy was greater than Abraham's prophecy. So, so obviously she was very wise. The Ramah says a wise sage. So my women as well. Hulda, prophetess. Hulda's gate. If you go to the Temple Mount today, you face the Kotel. On your right side, you can see steps going up to the Temple. There's a gate over there which is closed. The Arabs, Arabs locked it, closed it. It's Hulda's gate. Prophetess Hulda would sit, sit there. Because when the rabbis had a question, they would go to Hulda, not Yirmiyahu. Because they thought she'll give them a nicer answer, a more gentle answer than Yirmiyahu. He was a tough guy. 
They went to Hilda. She was the same time period as Yirmiyahu. Devorah. Prophetess. Some people say Esther. But Abigail. Other, others. So prophecy, number one, wisdom. Wisdom. That's going to be big intellect. Number two, this is the hardest one. Gibor Mamirotav. Ezu Gibor, Kopeshitro. Person gotta be a mighty person which can control themselves. Self-control. Hardest thing. Hardest thing in the world. Self-control. Control one's speech, control one's sight, controls one's hearing. Hardest thing in the world. Yeah, that a person's yet so his desire should not control them at all. He controls himself completely. Complete self-control. Where do you get a person like that? How do you get a person like that? So a person's got to work on themselves. Musar. It's interesting. I just heard today, you were listening to a shir, one of the big Kabbalists. He said, what's the criteria to be a Kabbalist? Number one is, you have to have your Shemayim. So how do you become your Shemayim? Learn Musar. He said, it's no accident that the vast majority of books of Musar written by Kabbalists. People don't realize that. Rabbeinu Yonah, Shari Chuba, big Kabbalist. Right? Basilat uh, Yisharim, Ramchal, big Kabbalist. Shari Kedusha, Rav Chaim Vital, big Kabbalist. Why are they writing the book? And the answer is because they want to know how to get your Shemayim. They learn it from themselves. They want to have your Shemayim. Amazing, amazing. Brilliant. Why? Because they want to get to this level. How do you get to this level? How do I get to the level where I can control myself? And the answer is you've got to learn a lot of Musar. A lot of Musar. And keep learning Musar. And a person's got to have a very broad perspective, a correct perspective on life. And how do you get that? I mean, a broad intellect. You've got to learn everything. A person's got to know everything, basically. Every bit of information they know. A person who's full of all these qualities. And then, physically sound. It's got to be healthy as well. A person who's sick cannot be a prophet. You can't have, as Ramos says, and Chodeori says, the goal of a Jew is to have a healthy soul and a healthy body. If the body is not healthy, how can the soul be healthy? You can't do mitzvot, you can't pray, you can't. A lot of things a person can't do, so it's very important to be physically sound. So to be a prophet, a person got to be physically sound. Number one is because a prophet in his prophecy gets very, very weak. Because they, they, they can't eat, they're in a trance-like state, don't know how long it lasts. And they're out of it. And sometimes they go for days without eating. See, Moshe Rabbeinu, 40 days. I mean, that's hard to imagine, right? Mm-hmm. 40 days and 40 nights with no food. And you think it's something easy, right? But later on, he complains to the Jewish people. He says, and because of you, I had to do it again. <laughs> At the end of the morning, he starts to say, again, I had to do it. 40 days, 40 nights. Because of you, I had to go without food and, and water without, for 40 days, 40 nights. Because of you, I had to do it again. 40 days, 40 nights. This week's parasha. Sounds like he has to break the first tablets. Sounds like hardship. It is hardship. It's easy. Mm-hmm. You fast one day, you're knocked out. 40 days, 40 nights. Really? For him. Okay, so we think it's easy. He's, he's complaining. He says, because of you, I had to go. Another 40 days and 40 nights. You think it was easy? I don't think it's easy at all. No. Must be totally physically exhausting. I don't know. You know, he's saying. Obviously, he was greater than mighty. He was mighty in terms of physical, physique. Mm. And you're talking about a person who lived 120 and he wasn't weak. His eyes were good and his strength was strong. <laughs> till the end, right? Till the end. A person who's full of all these qualities and is physically sound. When he enters into the Pardes, here we come to the Pardes. What is the Pardes? So we're going to talk about it. This, this Pardes is mentioned in the Gemara. It talks about the four rabbis who enter the Pardes. The, the, the Pardes, which is the, the orchard, 
the orchard of Kabbalah, the orchard of mystical uh, knowledge. And is drawn into these great and sublime concepts, so the thinking thoughts of the holy worlds, of the higher worlds. If he possesses a correct perspective and separates themselves from the masses who proceed in the darkness of the time, in other words, a person cannot be a prophet and live amongst regular people and think regular thoughts. He has to separate himself from the regular thoughts. If you're watching TV and you're watching the daily news, which you all do, right? There's no way you can be a prophet. Next topic. You have to separate from daily mundane routine. If you're watching soap operas, you're definitely not going to be a prophet. You've got you to separate from the mundane, move out. Huh? Yeah, they'll, they'll tell you all the news. Don't worry. They'll tell you the news in the future. Forget about the news now. First, got to separate. You can't, you can't fill the mind with all the garbage and, and be a prophet. It's impossible. So then a person's got to separate. For the masses who says, as he, they proceed in the hevel, hevel, the darkness, the hevel, what's the right. hevel, hevel avalim, the vanities of the time, the darkness of the time. And if he teaches himself that he shouldn't think of anything else, any garbage in his head, no vanities ahead, not thinking about the latest iPhone, the latest iPad. That's, those are good things. Or the, or the soccer, or the soccer scores. I'm talking about sports. You know, I'm talking about this guy won this, this guy won that, Madrid, whatever, who else? I'm talking about today. Madrid, who cares? A prophet, not think about that. And he keeps away from that until his mind is purely focused on spiritual realms. That's the hard part. His mind is open all the time for above. In other words, he's waiting for that connection. Focusing totally on the spiritual world. Tied up under the, the throne of glory. And he's studying the wisdom of God, which is the Torah. Straight away, Ruach HaKodesh will fall on that person. Oh, basically, got it. Huh? It seems like it's not a... It seems like it's almost like a guarantee. Like a guarantee. It is. Uh, You've got to be guaranteed to this level. You know. If you guarantee this, it's Ruach HaKodesh, but it's not prophecy. Okay. So this is a lower level. It's a lower level. So Ruach HaKodesh seems to be, okay, that's it. it's pretty hard to get to this level. You do have people with Ruach HaKodesh. Yeah, that's, uh, that's possibility today. No one today has prophecy except for crazy people and children. No one's going to listen to them anyway. They lock them up. They lock them up. So Ruha Kodesh is um, it's it's a lower level. It's not clear, no clarity. It's more perception. You feel something. Like say something. Uh, sometimes you could just say you can say you start thinking about so and so, and he walks in. You start thinking about so and so, and he walks in. That's little perceptions you have. Person gets for. Well, there are perceptions. This is going to happen tomorrow. Or you see something, you say, wow, that guy's going to be a millionaire. Or this is going to happen. Uh, it's a perception. You see? Mm-hmm. Hmm. This is what Baba Sali does? Yeah, Rahakodesh. Rahakodesh is a low level. Baba Sali, he probably had a, I don't know what kind of level he had. So but a higher level of Rahakodesh. It used to be that people with great wisdom were prophets, and now you're saying people who are crazy are prophets. Yes. In other words, prophecy ended. Yeah, but when did prophecy end? Around the time of Esther. The last prophet was Malachi, who lived around Esther. Esther was the last book put in by the prophets. Yeah, no more prophecy. I'm just understanding how you can go from 
In other words, Hashem doesn't want people to listen to people. He's not sending people messages. If he does, he goes through a vehicle which no one's going to believe him anyway. The vehicle... The purpose is, uh, I know, I guess some people are holy. So Hashem says, okay, he deserves prophecy. Who, who's holy today? Children. Totally innocent. And uh, mad people can be holy as well, I guess. Okay. To a certain extent. But no one's going to listen to them. Yes? Have I been saying Hashem doesn't speak to people anymore? He does, but in a lower level, it's called Ruach HaKodesh. In other words, we try, we try and get messages, but they're perceptions as opposed to clarity. There's no clarity anymore. No one has clarity anymore. And you see this today. You know? He says, the Chabetz Chaim saw the Holocaust. He says, one day he was saying Brikat Amazon on a Shabbat in 1930 something, and he started crying. And they said, why are you crying? I see destruction. I see terrible destruction. So why don't you tell everyone to leave? He wasn't a prophet. Yeah, it's a, but it's a, it's it's interesting. They, a person gets a clarity, certain clarity, but they don't know what to do with the clarity. Mm. There's no clear message, mm. so it's it's, a, it's a more a perception as opposed to a message to do something about. Mm. Whereas a prophet a me- is a message to to tell someone. So sometimes the message is for the person, sometimes the message is for someone else. So a prophet is like a message coming through that person. Hashem wants to talk to humanity. That's a prophet's man. Mm. A prophet is not allowed to hide his message. Prophet gets a message from God; they have to go and give it. Otherwise, they have mitam and They're going to get. They're going to die. They're not allowed to. Kobeshet nuvato. It was the the message is for others, or sometimes messages for the servant, for the person himself. But he's got to act on that message. The whole purpose of the prophecy is that they act on the message. But here, they're not. He didn't get a message. He just saw, but he didn't know what to do with it. He didn't get a message of what to do with that. Right. So that's ruach hakodesh and prophecy. Prophecy is a message. You have a message. Go tell. The Baal B'nai Israel, Moshe Rabbeinu, I'm telling you what to do. You're a prophet. You're my, you're my mouthpiece. A prophet is God's mouthpiece in the world. Okay, so... But it's just total immersion. A person cannot be immersed in this world and be a prophet at the same time. A person's got a total immersion. So what happened was that a person wants to be a prophet had to separate themselves for a while. So if they marry, they tell their wife, sorry, I need to go away for a month. And he goes away for the desert for a month. He goes away to uh, Elisha, takes off and goes to, with Eliyahu and Avihi to study for, ten, for a month. And during that month, they, you know, all they focus on are spiritual things and they have prophecy. But when he comes back, he's busy plowing his father's field and uh, prophecy goes away. So they go flipping it out. And the same thing with Miriam and Aaron. They couldn't understand prophecy of Moshe. Because Moshe Abedes seems to be in the physical world and he's still having prophecy. That's impossible. That's impossible. And that's what the Rambam says. Moshe Abedes' prophecy was different. He was like no one else. There's no one else like Moshe. Here we are. So when the spirit rests upon this person, his soul becomes intermingled with the angels called Ishim. So it's not the body being mixed with the angels, it's the soul is going up to the next level up, the spiritual level up, mixing with the Ishim. The angels, the lowest level angel. And be transformed into a different person. And will understand with a level of knowledge from which it was different from before. So his level of knowledge now is going up to a level of knowledge of angels as opposed to a level of... So you see a human being can go up, climb the ladder. Yeah. Prophecy, not Prophecy. The soul goes up to the next level. Does it go up two levels? It could. Probably. Moshe probably went up for you. But it depends on the clarity of the prophecy. The lowest level we're going to see. There's different levels as we're going to see. They will, he will rise above the level of other wise people. 
as it says about Shmuel, Shmuel HaNavid, it tells Shaul, the Spirit of God will descend upon you and you'll prophesy with them and you'll be transformed into a different person. You will not be the same person. When a person gets the spirit of prophecy, they're not the same person. Unrecognizable. Because their soul is on a different level. It's on a higher spiritual level now. It's a different, different person completely. Okay, now we come to the levels. Just like there are a number of levels amongst wise people, people there are also different levels amongst prophets. Just as with regard to wisdom, one sage is greater than his colleague, so too with regard to prophecy, one prophet is greater than the other. They all, however, share certain common, common, uh, common things. They receive prophetic visions only in visionary dreams. Now, look at this. These are low-level prophets. A prophet can only receive prophecy when they're sleeping, or at night, or in the day asleep. They cannot receive prophecy awake. As we see, and that's what Hashem tells Aaron and Miriam, only at, at, I will show, see them in visions. Uh, I will show myself to them in visions. I'll speak to them in, dream, in dreams. This is the end of Baalotcha. When any of them prophesy, their limbs tremble. Their physical powers become weak. They lose control of their senses, like being taken over. They're taken over by the prophecy. Mi- and thus their minds are free to comprehend. So in other words, the physical shuts down. And the mind is alert, the soul. The minds are free to comprehend what they see. As it says by Abraham Avinu. And a great, great dark dread fell over them, Abraham. Similarly, Daniel says, My appearance was horribly changed and I retained no strength. Okay, so the physical shuts down, the body shuts down, and the mind is alert. It's like going into a trance like state. And the person starts shuddering and shivering and like epileptic fit. It's like a fit. Daniel Abraham Avinu. It's interesting because the early ones in the Torah. God speaks to Adam, nothing. God speaks to Cain, even. No problem. God speaks to Noah, no problem. We don't find he falls down, we don't find sleeping, we don't find anything. These are very high-level people. You understand? We don't understand it. We read the Torah. We don't understand what's going on. Abraham Avinu, you see, we think he's on a high level, but here, he has to be lying down, he has to be sleeping. He had to be in a vision. And a f- dread fell upon Abraham. Yeah. Tardemana fell in love. Huh? More diluted versions of men. Yeah, definitely. As we see, the spiritual level is falling. So Moshe Rabbeinu, it's a totally different ball game we're going to see. Mm. No one likes Moshe Rabbeinu. What about, yeah. What about with, with Adam? Uh, it's cast in the sleep. Take a... Yeah, but that's for a different reason. That wasn't prophecy. So that was a surgical uh, necessity. <laughs> the first uh, anesthesia. Mm. But the Gemara the asked why. Why was he put asleep? So it says, if he'd have seen the process, he'd been sickened by her. You can see the raw Eve, the raw cut. He'd been sickened. So Hashem had mercy and said, listen, I'm not going to show him. The, what the Quran says is like seeing the meat before it's, before it's cooked. Mm-hmm. If he would see the shechita, this, he wouldn't eat the meat. So if he would see the process, he wouldn't have said, ah, I want to touch this woman. <laughs> if, if it was, when they, uh, Hashem told Moshe, you know, let me just destroy the nation. This week's Parasha. ended up keeping it. So one of the understandings is that his neshama was equal to the size. Yeah, 100%. Of so his wasn't relative. says, you live and they'll die. You're, you're equivalent. You're equivalent. So his wasn't relatively. So undiluted. even greater than them. It was an undiluted. His neshama was, yeah. No. Yes, his soul was bigger than all their souls put together. We can't imagine what his soul was like. Mm-hmm. But he's going to tell us. We'll see it. So let's just recap. So number one is a prophet 
has to do all these different levels. It's, you got to climb the level of righteousness, climb the level of meditation to be able to get become prophet. And then even then, Hashem gives different people different amounts of prophecy. So how does a prophet get prophecy? What is the vision? The vision is a metaphoric imagery. A person sees something. But immediately they see the interpretation with the, with the prophet, what they see. Immediately the interpretation of the imagery is imprinted upon their heart. He knows its meaning. For example, the ladder with the angels ascending and descending. Yaakov was an allegory for the empire, empires and the subjugation of his descendants. He said there's a timeline, right? He's seeing, he's seeing all these angels of the great nations going up and up, controlling his, his, uh, his progeny. Right? The angel of uh, Mitzrayim, the angel of, uh, of, the per- of uh, Babylon, the angel of Persia, the angel of Greece. And they're climbing up, and he's getting scared. And then the angel of Rome goes up, and he's really scared. And then he says, Hashem, on top of the ladder. And Hashem says, don't worry, Yaakov. I'm in charge of history. That's how the Rabbi explains it. Similarly, the creatures Yitzchakel sees, or Yumiao, the scroll Ezekiel saw, the measure seen by Zechariah, all metaphoric images. Some of the prophets would relate the allegory and its meaning. Others would just relate the meaning. At times they would just say the imagery without explaining it. And you see the prophet Ezekiel, sometimes he just gives you the imagery of the Merkavav, he doesn't explain anything. But all of the prophecies come in the form of metaphoric imagery and allegories. That's it. That's a basic. Everyone gets some kind of message. Now you've got to understand them. So usually the message is given to you with the, with a, with a picture. It's amazing because you see a picture and then you see what the picture means. It's amazing. Why do you get a direct message? And that's what the rabbis say. The, the pro- most prophets see what's called aspaklaria de lamira. It's like a frosted glass. But you get a kind of message of what's going on behind the glass. You can't see clearly what's going on. So the imagery is the frost. You get some kind of explanation at the bottom. This is what you see. <laughs> All the prophets do not prophesy whenever they desire. They must focus their attention upon spiritual concepts and seclude themselves. Waiting. Now, this is very interesting. In a happy, joyous mood. They have to be happy. They have to be happy. Because prophecy cannot rest upon a person when they are sad. Only when they're happy. So that's a very, very important point. Person depressed, we see Yaakov Vino. Imagine if he would have been happy when Yosef was lost, he would know he's still alive. It's ironic. Because he was depressed, he didn't know his son is alive. 21 years. And that's why the prophets, disciples, will always have a harp, a drum, a flute when they were seeking prophecy. What did Eliyahu have? Hmm? What did Eliyahu have? Eliyahu is different. Eliyahu also was a very high level. But it's interesting because sometimes he was depressed as well and he still had prophecy. Oh, what about your Miyahu? <laughs> in other words some prophecies you can't help it Once that's it once he's chosen that's it it's like you can't get out of it you can't You're like Yonah he runs out of Israel he's trying to get rid of his prophecy he can't get out of it can't. I want to run away from God I want to run away from this prophecy it's chasing me like so let me get out of Israel prophecy only exists in Israel yeah no it starts in Israel but it continues in other words you can't escape it you can't turn off the prophecy God won't let you turn it off like if Hashem wants, obviously. Mm-hmm. But to get that prophecy, you have to be happy. The first state, mm-hmm. you have to be happy. And once you get it, it's, it may chase you right through the world. You can't escape it. It's like God says, you have a message, you have a message. You're the messenger. You're my messenger. You can't escape your message. So who, who really wants prophecy? Do you really want prophecy? Be careful what you wish for. Exactly. Yeah. You've got to be really careful. Yeah. And if you do want to be a prophet, so make sure it's a, 
you want to be a good message prophet, mm. not a bad message prophet. Because really, the whole purpose of all these prophets was to rebuke the Jews. Most prophets were to rebuke the Jews. It was at tremendous cost to their personal life, tremendous risk to their life and to their health. Some prophets were killed. Zachariah was killed in the temple. Killed him in the temple. His blood was boiling in the temple. That was Zachariah Kohen Gadol, right? Yes. No, not the Zachariah. It's two Zacharias. Yeah. Was Zachariah Kohen Gadol an Abi? Why do you think they killed him? It says he killed a Navi because he killed a Navi in the. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was definitely called a Navi. Okay. <clears throat> Those who aspire to prophecy are called the disciples, the students of the prophets. Bnei Anivim. The Torah says Bnei Anivim. Talks about Elisha. Even though they concentrate their attention, it is possible the divine presence will, will rest upon them. It's possible that it will not rest upon them. We said it all <coughs> depends on Hashem chooses someone or not. All these statements describe the path of prophecy of all the earlier later prophets, with the exception of Moshe, our teacher, the master of all prophets. Moshe was different, his prophecy was different. What is the difference between Moshe's prophecy and all the other prophets? All the other prophets could only have prophecy in a dream or in a vision. Moshe Rabbeinu would prophesy while standing awake. Hard to imagine. I mean, because what happens is, a person's going to know, we're going to see when a person meditates, the difference between reality and surreality a very, it's a very fine difference. And a person's mind could go mad. That's why a person go mad. I'm seeing things. Is it real or is it illusory? Am I re- is it really there or is it not really there? I'm seeing things. Moshe Rabbeinu could distinguish when he's awake. God gives him vision and what I'm seeing now. And the question is, how do they mesh? He's seeing now and he's seeing later. He's seeing now and he's seeing later. And, he's, and he can work things out. He said, oh, this is from God, this is, this is real. This is real, this is from God, this is real. Most people can't do that. <coughs> they'll go mad, they'll go crazy. That's what, probably what it means when it says, madmen today get prophecy. It's the prophecy that made them mad. Mm. Because you can't stay sane and have, be a prophet today. Mm. Our minds can't cope with it, just go crazy. And that's probably what will happen. That's why we have to ready ourselves for divine revelation. When the Mashiach comes, we'll all, you know, we'll get messages and we'll go, is it, it's, it's, it's very hard to, our minds will blow, we have, to, we have to be careful. We have to start learning how to do it. That's why it says, I'm going to send you before the day of Hashem. Why? Eliyahu will teach us how to be prophets. He'll teach how to handle the situation. So Moshe Rabbeinu, it says, would prophesy by standing up Moshe Rabbeinu came into the tent of meeting to speak with Hashem. He heard the voice speaking to him. Divine insight is bestowed all the other prophets through the medium of an angel. What's the angel? The angel is the imagery that they see. That's the angel. When a person sees the imagery, what is that imagery? The imagery, that is the angel. The angel is the imagery. The Ramon says, the angel that fought with Yaakov, well, that was the vision itself. In other words, you can't fight an angel. The angel was the vision. So that fight he, was the vision. So why was he injured? So psychosomatic. You ever got up in the, in the middle of the night and felt, you know, somebody hit you in the night? Wow. You had a dream? You know, people have nightmares and they feel like something really hit them, something really... Did his injury last him the rest of his life? Yeah, so no, it says till the sun came up. <laughs> so a question, how can he get injured and, and his son comes up and he's healthy? It says, who told Until the sun came up. So it's very simple. That's, anyway, that's Rambam. Just tell you what Rambam says. Very simple. Rambam says, you can't fight with angel. It was a dream. It was a vision. And the, the angel was the vision. That, that's how visions are. The, the angel itself is the vision. That's, what a, that's a metaphor. The metaphor is through the angel. 
Whereas Moshe Rabbeinu would prophesy without the medium of an angel. Wow, that, that's a direct connection. Here we are. But it's, who, who got to that level? Moshe Rabbeinu. But we, don't, we, we skipped. He skipped Adam, Cain. All these were greats. They, they, they spoke to God without any intermediaries. Mouth to mouth, I was speaking. What do you mean? Direct communication. Hashem spoke to me. How do you, how do you get to that level? How do you get to this level? There was no metaphor. You perceive the man in his fullness without metaphor allegory. I speak to him without allegory. His appreciation of prophecy would not be through metaphor, through open revelation. All the other prophets were overawed, terrified, confounded by the revelations. Moshe didn't bother him. Amazing. How do you do that? What kind of capability did he have that no one else had? Hashem spoke to Moshe as a man speaks to a friend. Just as a person will not be awestruck from hearing his friend's words, so to Moshe Rabbeinu's mental powers were sufficient to comprehend the words of prophecy. While he was standing in a composed state. All the other prophets cannot prophesy whenever they desire. Moshe Rabbeinu could, was different. Whenever he desired, the Holy Spirit would develop him and the prophecy would rest on him. So the daughters of Salafchad asked him, well, all about our shea? He says, hold on, let me just go and ask Hashem. Like that. Turn around. Hashem, what is it? Hashem says, sure. Communication, instant communication. They asked about Pesach Sheni. Well, you missed the first Pesach. Okay, hold on. Let me ask. No problem. He did not have to concentrate his attention to prepare himself for prophecy. His mind was always concentrated, prepared, and ready to appreciate spiritual truths as the angels are. Therefore, he prophesied at all times. Amazing. Hear that? He was promised this by God. So he tells the people at the house Sinai, Hashem says, tell the people, go back to your tents, you stay here with me, which means the prophecy will depart from them, but you, the prophecy will never depart from. Is that what Moshiach will be like? I don't know. I can't tell you, but it's not going to be the level of Moshe. But Moshe Rabbein will come back as well. Moshe Rabbein will come back as well. Don't worry, we'll see Moshe. We'll see Moshe. We'll see him with the veil or without the veil. It's spooky. See Moshe with the veil. Yeah, it comes down to Mahatsi and his face is beaming light. This week's parasha. Um, and they could look at him. So he had to cover his face with the, the man in the iron mask. This is Moshe Rabbein, the eye of the veil. Imagine. His face is beaming light. Michelangelo made it into a sta- uh, horn. Because it's called Karane Or. Karan Or Panav. Karan. So Karan means radiate. As opposed to horn. Karan Or Panav. Therefore, he wasn't allowed to go back to his wife, Moshe Rabbeinu. He was always on call, 24 hours a day. He, could just, he was bound his mind to Hashem. His, his mind, I mean, how do you do that? He didn't think about food, he didn't think about drink, he didn't think about his nothing. It's purely God, me, God, me and God, that's it. Okay, so now we come to different kinds of prophecy. So we said prophecy is a message from God. And a prophet is not allowed to hide his message. So, but sometimes he says the prophecy will experience prophecy for his own sake. The prophecy is coming to teach him, teach the prophet, to broaden their perspective, to increase his knowledge, allowing him to know more about the lofty concepts than he knew before. That's great, isn't that great? Shem says, I'm going to teach you a few things. You want to know Torah? I'll teach you Torah. That's prophecy. The person gets prophecy. Today it's Ruach HaKodesh, not prophecy. Like Darizal, they say, had a Ruach HaKodesh. He, would, he went to the Egypt, he had a very rich uncle over there supporting his father, passed away when he was young. Went to Egypt, his, father, his uncle supported him. He became a guard in the uncle's warehouse in the boondocks of Egypt, basically on the docks. So he was a guard, middle of the night, he's there, and he's learning, and he's thinking about the Pesukim and the Zohar. 
and he, he gets some kind of revelation. Because that's what he's thinking about. He said he's thinking about Pesukim, and he wouldn't leave it till he could understand it. Go over a thousand times till till he understood the meaning of the Zohar. So he got a revelation. It's called today. It's called Gilu Eliyahu. Eliyahu Navi would come and teach the person, whatever that means. So I heard that there's two kinds of Eliyahu Navi coming. One is Eliyahu Navi comes to have tea with you, but not to teach you anything. Well, you have a Gilui, and uh, Eliyahu Navi will come. You see Eliyahu Navi, but he's not really teaching you anything. The second revelation is the revelation to teach. Eliyahu Navi comes. The person's going to want to be learned. Want to want to learn. You want to learn. He's got to beg Hashem, please, Hashem, I can't understand. I can't understand. I can't understand. Hashem says, "Don't worry, I'll send you someone." The only problem today is we don't know if that's from the good side or from the bad side. And therefore, a person should not accept anyone mm-hmm. unless you know exactly where it's coming from. That's the story of the uh, Lagoon. But you don't know who, who, who is Eliyahu Navi. How are you going to find out? How do you know who it is? How is anyone? Well, I'm telling you. So, the it says two people came to the and they said, We have a Magid coming to teach us. He said, Get out of here. Get out of here. Coming from the wrong side. Get out of here. We don't know. So, it's very dangerous. That's. To get these messages, it's very dangerous. You don't, a person doesn't know. They've got to be pure, 100% before... Because it's only a pure message if a person's pure. A person's not pure, that's impurity. That's where the false prophets are. That's called the false prophet. But Moshe Rabbeinu was amazing, amazing. He bound his mind to eternal Hashem. The flesh of his countenance shone. He became holy like angels. His, that's what I mean, his face was shining. He became holy like angels. So his prophecy was direct. No intermediate. How does that? How does a person knew that? How does a human being handle that capacity? So there's a possibility a prophet will experience prophecy for his own sake to learn, to increase his knowledge. It's also possible you're sent to one of the nations of the world, like Yonah. Can you imagine that's scary? Okay, I'm going to send you to Iran. Go speak to the Ayatollahs over there. Yeah. <laughs> Me? Yes, you. You're going right now. Go get out of here. Go. Yonah, go to Syria. Go and speak to the king of Assyria and tell him to do the river. <laughs> Me? Go to Jew? Go. Got it. I'm going the other way. <laughs> what if I should yeah. do that to and not be like, in the, let's say, he did it. If, if Nadim were alive today, would, would Hashem send someone today if Why not? Forget Nibwa, to go Why to not? Nibwa? Why not? Because that's a suicide mission. No. That's what Yonah thought. It's a suicide mission. If Hashem's with you, why is it a suicide mission? It should right? have been a suicide mission for Moshe to go to Pharaoh. The biggest suicide mission in the Torah was Hashem tells Shmuel, go and anoint David. Shaul's going to kill uh-huh. me. Go and anoint David. Shaul's going to kill me. Treason. On the spot, he'll kill me. Okay, so take a cow and go say you have to, do, have to go and do a korban in that play. Eh. What's going on? It is possible he was sent to one of the kingdoms of the world. Or the inhabitants of a particular city or kingdom to prepare them and inform them what they should do or prevent them from doing evil that they are doing. When he is sent on such a mission, he is given a sign or a wonder to perform. So people will know that Hashem has truly sent him. Hear that? So in other words, they are going to be awed by the sign. And the, I don't know, it doesn't say what sign Yonah had. But they believed him. I mean, it's amazing. The whole city did Teshuvah. They ripped their clothes. They sat on the floor. sat in sackcloth. They did tremendous Teshuvah. And then now he's, now he, how are you going to know? The guy comes up and he says, I'm a prophet. Guys, I just had a message. Hashem gave me a message and you have to listen to me. What do you do? And the answer is, hey, no. not everyone who performs signs and wonders should be accepted as a prophet. <laughs> Only a person who is known to be fit for prophecy. A person who is wise and he's good. And he's sadiq. And he's holy. 
you know, so every time Dick and Harry comes along and says, I'm a prophet. Yes, today these, uh, these guys say, you know, the world's going to end on so and so date. And so, you know, so everyone comes along with these things. So, you know, that doesn't matter. When I was in Vancouver, they said, Mashiach is coming. And uh, whatever, I can't tell you who said it, but Mashiach is coming and da 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 da. Okay. So they said, Rabbi, what do we do? Mashiach is coming. What do you do now? I said, wait till see if they're selling their houses. When they sell the houses and they move, let's, uh, we'll see what happens. Nothing. No one's moving, no one's selling the houses. They said, Mashiach is coming. Mm-hmm. I, I heard like years and years ago there was a case in Australia about a Chabad Rav who. Why do you have to mention names? No, I mean, because he. Okay, but like he, he was so convinced Mashiach was going to come immediately, he didn't pay for his house. Okay. He paid a mortgage. Yeah, so that's it. He was evicted. <laughs> I'm just saying, but I've got to be careful. So, when Mashiach comes, you're not going to have any doubts. When Mashiach comes, the whole world is going to know. You know who's going to know? The Goyim are going to come knocking your door and say, What do we do? What do we do? Rabbi, what do we do? Jew, tell me what to do, Jew! Teach me. Teach me. And the Jew says, But I don't know myself. <laughs> that's a tragedy. That's a tragedy. So the first thing you tell them is do teshuva. Mm. Be good. Keep seven no high laws. Quicker, as soon as possible. <laughs> we also got to do teshuva as soon as possible. It's not a joke. Because we know Moshe Rabbeinu, they say Mashiach, you won't, no one will be able to see, look into his face. He's scared stiff. He knows all about you. Mm. Your past, your future. Like Moshe Rabbeinu. So, so I'll see, what's that story? Okay. That's uh, who's one of the great sages in the Talmud. Says, I don't want to be alive when Mashiach comes. I don't want to see. I'm scared. I'm, I'm just, if he's scared, what are we, we going to be? <laughs> <laughs> On the other hand, you know, we have to have faith in God. So, Hashem will protect us, even from Mashiach. From the gaze of Mashiach. Oh boy. Hashem Yazor, tell you the truth. You know, Shlomo Melech had, could sniff people out. He could tell a person telling lies, not telling lies. Hashem gave him that gift, the gift of wisdom to, to judge your people, Hashem. He has the wisdom to judge your people. Hashem gave him this ability to see who's telling the truth, who's telling lies. People were scared to go to Shlomo Melech. They, they all started behaving themselves. No crime. The crime stopped. They knew. He can sniff you out, this guy. Well, um, why, why was it necessary then for the two women who were fighting over the baby for him to have to say, you know, Cut the baby in half. So that everyone could see his wisdom. They won't think it's, you know, they could see this. This, this guy's brilliant. He's just. Not only can he smell them out, but, he could, but, but it says before even he. Why did he say that? He knew exactly who's, what's going on. He wanted to show a sign to the people. Because otherwise, people are not going to. People say, maybe he was right, maybe he was wrong. You know? So give, write, the, give the baby to this person. He made a thing to show the people that they should see so simple that he was right. Brilliant, brilliant. But he didn't need it. He didn't need it. But they needed it. They needed the sign. He didn't need the sign. It is possible that a person will perform a sign of wonder even though he's not a prophet. The wonder will have another cause behind it. It's amazing. But however, if he's a, a person, he's a tzaddik, and fit for prophecy, we listen to the prophecy. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to stop here, but we didn't finish this topic. It's very interesting talk about Moshe Rabbeinu. Um, we have more to talk about. Okay, we'll talk about it next week. You've been listening to Yeshua Nachman.
You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.